Hello and welcome to episode 132 of the Juice Box Podcast. This episode is different in as much as that I, well, <laughs> I guess it's the same in one hand. I'm doing most of the talking, which I get, I hear what you're saying. It, I do a lot of talking. But, but it's different in it that the questions aren't mine. So what you're going to hear in a moment is Jess from uh, my local chapter of the JDRF ask me questions for an interview they wanted to do with me. They wanted to send me questions and they were going to have me send the answers, but I'm lazy and didn't want to type. And I thought it might be interesting for you to hear me answer the questions here on the podcast. If that sounds good to you, definitely keep listening. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is brought to you today by Dexcom, the CGM that I prefer, Dexcom. Check it out at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. And this is a coincidence, but I'm editing this on the day that Animus, Johnson & Johnson, has uh, announced that they are no longer making insulin pumps. So if you're using a ping or something else made by Johnson & Johnson, don't worry, it'll be fine. You will find another insulin pump that you like. But this might be a great time for you to try a free no-obligation demo pod from Omnipod. And for that, you should go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. I'm going to get you into the conversation with Jess in just a second, but I wanted to let you know that I spoke to the printer for the Bold with Insulin t-shirts the other day, and they're going to be starting production, I think, tomorrow, which is pretty cool, on October 6th, so we should have some news about the t-shirts really soon. I need to remind you, of course, that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and that you should always consult a physician before deciding to be bold with insulin. Other than that, this is pretty straightforward. Jess asks a question. I talk forever. She asks another question. I talk forever. It's pretty much over. Hopefully you'll love it. Actually, I think there's some good stuff in here. I'm, I'm, I feel uncomfortable because, well, you'll hear in a second why, but I, I think you'll really like it. I'm very much looking forward to this because I, I pretty much don't have to do anything. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna ask questions, which is uh, is fantastic. And if I don't know, the role re- yeah, role reversal. Yeah, it's excellent. I'm Jess Backoffen. I'm the executive director for the JDRF chapter in New Jersey, and um, we are really proud and honored to serve this community. And I'm glad you're a part of our community. Thank you. I am um, pleased that you are one of the few people with a last name that when I look at, I think it must be pronounced differently than it looks, but it's not. <laughs> it's exactly the same. Yes, my children um, My children have a fun time in school with people trying to pronounce the last name. Because, yes, most people work really hard at trying to pronounce it properly when really it's exactly it's, 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 as it's spelled. <laughs> And are they just very little kids? I have to ask. Because when they get older, if they bump into somebody, people are just going to look at them and go back often. It's going to just happen. It's going to happen. I hope so. Yeah, they're in elementary school now, so they still don't appreciate uh, how much fun they can have with this last name when they're older. So, well, that's excellent. So um, this is going to be like a probably a shorter and kind of different episode of the podcast. Um, and because you guys, you reached out to me with something that was really wonderful and then you had some questions for me, and I thought instead of me just typing the questions out and, and giving you the answers, yeah. why not do it like this? And then 
first of all, I don't have to type and you have to transcribe, which totally shifts the work off of me. So that's a really great benefit. <laughs> and, and, but no, seriously, I just thought it would be the, uh, I thought maybe we'd have some more complete answers and it might be uh, a little different. You know, there's, um, I mean, well over a decade, I, I've, I've been doing things in diabetes and I've kind of lost track of the amount of these Q and A's I've seen. And I thought, let's try to make this one. I don't know. Yeah. Our chapter in New Jersey at JDRF, we created not too long ago um, with our with our volunteers a uh, recognition award called our Everyday Hero because we found that being out there in the community a lot in New Jersey, we have an estimated 33,000 people living with type 1 diabetes, that you've got these um, amazing human beings who are doing more than just managing the disease and finding a way to connect, but people are really doing some incredible things. And how do we show appreciation also that will help inspire others to maybe not just have this disease and own it, but to go out and um, serve our T1D community. So the Everyday Hero Award was uh, came to be just in this three months ago, actually. And so you are the third recipient. Your name came highly recommended. Um, I have to be honest, I've listened to your podcast. I've been with JDRF for almost three years, and um, a colleague had suggested that I listen to a specific podcast about the Affordable Health Care Act, which I loved, and I've been listening ever since. Um, I had no idea you were a Jersey guy, so that was really exciting when I got the recommendation um, from a volunteer, when we got the recommendation from a volunteer to know that you were part of our T1D community. Well, when you were listening to the podcast and it didn't seem like I had an accent, you should have known where you live somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. So I was going to say, so you created this whole, this, this recognition system and then you couldn't, mm-hmm. get, you, then you couldn't get anybody to do it. So then you called me. Is that what happened? I imagine. Um, no, I mean the flood of, the flood of nominations has been, um, huge from our volunteer base. You know, we ask our board and our outreach committee to send us, um, suggestions on on who is worthy and as a, as staff members a staff team that is out there in the field every day meeting our our families and healthcare providers um, we've gotten a lot of recommendations so our our last two heroes are pretty are doing some amazing work the first one is um uh, a social worker for a pediatric endocrinology team uh, Nicole Poek at Morristown Memorial and um just someone that goes above and beyond and making, I mean, she goes to her patients' dance recitals and sports games, and she's just really um, wow. helping kids with this disease every day in her work. And then last month, we honored um, Brielle Downs, who was a teen who really struggled with managing her diabetes. She kind of quit on diabetes as a teenager, and now she mentors teens who are also struggling and teens, on it, quite honestly, that. Some have had suicidal thoughts, and Brielle has gone to their home and, and sat down with them. So you are in good company, my friend. Yeah, that's really – I'm not going to hold up to those two, but I uh, I do this thing where I sit here and chat with people. But um, but it's really very humbling to, to hear you talk about those other two people. And I'm um, joking aside, I'm genuinely thrilled and, and touched that yeah. you're talking. So well, the impact you're making on our community as a whole um, is profound, so – you know, we very much appreciate your ability to connect people with information, um, people that are newer to this disease, you know, even people like myself who don't know what it's like to live day by day with it. Right. Um, you do an incredible job of 
just putting information out there and, and people are listening. So thank you for everything you're doing. That's very kind of you. Thank you. I, um, so you give a couple questions for me. I'm going to then do what I'm best at, which is talk on and on and on and give you answers. <laughs> and then I might ask you a couple questions at the end if you have time. Yes, absolutely. Cool. So one of the things that uh, we were curious about at um, JDRF is how it all began with the Arden's Day blog and the Juice Box podcast. What inspired you to create this podcast or this vehicle to um, to share information with others? So the podcast is, well, I guess it, it, I'd have to go back all the way, I guess, right? So mm-hmm. Arden's diagnosed when she's two years old. It was just a couple of weeks actually after her second birthday. And, you know, as soon as the diagnosis comes and everyone's going to feel a connection to this idea, you want to do something, you know, it's, it's, it really isn't much different. It's just a bigger scale. If your child falls over and cuts their knee, you stand them up and you clean the knee off and you put some medicine on it, and a band aid. You're like, Oh, I did like, I did this thing that I should do in this situation. And then something medical happens on this scale and you don't have any of the tools or the knowledge to, to, to do that. There's no bandage. It doesn't even exist. Um, but if it did, mm-hmm. you, if it did, you wouldn't even know what it was about because you're just, this isn't who you are. It's not your world. So you have mm-hmm. this overwhelming feeling that you want to try to move your daughter, your son, people with diabetes towards a better life. Um, you know, some people think of it as a cure. Some people think of it as support. I just always thought of it as trying to help somehow. And the first way I imagined to do that, my wife and I thought about we were going to raise money for the for the JDRF. That just seemed like right. a reasonable first step. And I didn't know how to do that. I wasn't particularly good at it. I tried, and I think I raised like $1,000 or something like that. And I remember thinking, oh, all this effort, like emailing and calling and talking to people and, and genuinely mm-hmm. realizing that I might sound like a lunatic while I'm talking to them, you know? And I thought, this didn't work. I mean, $1,000, $1,300, like that's not, that's not bang for my buck. Like, you know, the effort didn't seem to match the, the, the reward, I guess. So... Okay. About the following year, because Arden was diagnosed in August of 2004, but the local Mm -hmm. walk around here was just a couple months later. So it was all like sped up. I tried to raise this money. And then I thought, well, this isn't enough. People don't understand diabetes was how it made me feel like, because I, you know, I had that feeling like if someone understood they would have emptied their bank account when I told them about this, you know, (laughs) (laughs) right. Right. So, so I, um. So I started a blog, which back then isn't like you think of a blog now. Like I didn't, I didn't, right. I didn't know I was starting a blog. I was writing <laughs> on, on a space on my computer that reached the internet, uh, honestly. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a link that I could share it with, and I, I, um, I shared it. I, I shared it with everyone in my address book. There was like three hundred people who did not ask for this link, you know. And I just said, look, today. I'm going to, and I just, I'm not going to take, um, I'm not taking credit for day of diabetes, but I, mm-hmm. I did have the thought in 2004. So I, I said, to these <laughs> people, I said, I'm going to email you every day today with a link of a short story of when I had to, when Arden had something that had to do with diabetes, whether it was a bolus or a, you know, an injection or a high blood sugar, low blood sugar, food, all this. And these poor people just sitting at their desks at work, probably, you know, <laughs> and, uh, Ooh, yeah. Jess, you're going to get to be a part of something here. Arden needs insulin for lunch. People that lo- listen to the podcast only like when I talk to Arden about her lunch. So, um, 
Yeah. So Arden got low about at 1020 and she was 55. I tried to give her a little bit of candy. It didn't bounce it up. So she drank juice, which took it too far. She's one, mm-hmm. she's 160 now. Uh, the spike's over, and we've already bolused a unit about 20 minutes ago. So this, wow. this 160 is on its way back down. But she's yeah. going to eat. She's going to need, I think, I want to guess she's going to need about seven and a half units for lunch. But she doesn't start eating for 15 minutes. So let's do... Let's bolus. I mean, this is not what we're here to talk about, but the <laughs> fact that, like, to listen to you, and that's one of the things I appreciate about your podcast, to listen to you go through that real time, like, that's how people who don't live with this disease understand that it never ends, yeah, right? The thinking and the calculating and the course correcting never ends. And so every time I hear you, like, do this math in your head, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I don't know if I would be equipped, but I guess the experience has taught you, you um, and, and, and you're teaching others through it, you know, how to, how to make these quick game time decisions. So, so here's what we did. I'm going to bolus seven and a half units and do an extended bolus. She's going to give her 30% of it now, the rest over a half an hour. So she's going to get roughly, I don't know, my math's not great. What is she going to get? Roughly a little under three units, maybe under around two or so units now plus the unit that went in 20 minutes ago. That should take the 160. Eh, she's fallen already. She's 155 now. So, okay, good. So I guarantee that while we're talking, her blood sugar is going to be... So I'm hoping 15 minutes from now, she's about 110 diagonal down maybe. Yeah. And then by the time she starts eating, that 110 should probably get all the way into the high 60s before it bounces up level. And then hopefully we've timed the insulin and the drop and everything correctly. So we'll see. That'll be fun. We'll find out. Um, yeah. So thank you. Uh, okay. So anyway, I'm sorry. I, yeah. I, 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 I'm emailing these poor people, you know, every couple of hours with stuff like this, thinking mm-hmm. they have to live through a day of this, then they're going to really understand. And then I can really yeah. hit them next year for the JDRF walk was the idea. Uh, and, <laughs> and so by about two o'clock in the afternoon, I just, I felt bad for them. And I just emailed and I said, look, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done this. I apologize. You know, uh, this is enough. If you found anything about this, it's interesting. I'm going to keep up this, this web mm-hmm. space. And I, I need you to understand that the web address at that point was, Mac.com forward slash percentage sign one nine four seven six five three dash five. Like it was this long string of like, unrecognizable characters that this program called iWeb generated. And um and I did. I kept putting stuff up for the rest of the day. And then I kind of started putting up news stories about diabetes or stuff about JDRF because I just thought of it as this blog was going to move people towards donating. That's what I really thought it was for. Mm-hmm. Um and about a month later, I got this email from a woman who I wish I don't, I don't have it anymore, but I wish I did uh, because I didn't realize the significance of it at the time. But she lived in England, and I was here in New Jersey. And she said that my blog was really helping her and her son and that she was glad I was doing it. And she wrote me some nice stuff. And at the end of the email, she said, if I ever needed anything to let her know, she was sort of offering me support back. And that really was, mm-hmm. that was my first opportunity to see community like around diabetes. I yeah. never witnessed it before. 
Um, and I, I have to admit, I read the email and I thought, I don't have a blog. Like, what is she talking about? You know what I mean? Like, I have, <laughs> like, I have this link right. where I bugged people through email a few yeah. weeks ago. And then, yeah, I'm just like, writing my thoughts. <laughs> I didn't know what she was saying, to be completely honest. Okay, guys, this is going to be an ad for Omnipod and a bit of a soapbox rant from me at the same time. <clears throat> Today is October 5th, 2017. I want to read you something. This is from MarketWatch. Johnson & Johnson's Animus Corporation has said Thursday it plans to close operations and exit the insulin pump business. The company will discontinue the manufacturing and sales of Animus, Vibe, and one-touch ping insulin pumps. Animus said Medtronic will help facilitate the transition for their over 90,000 patients who use Animus pumps. And they will be offered Bob on it goes online. I want to say something. This is incredibly dangerous. You, we can't let Medtronic get so big that they have the only insulin pump option. And they've already had an agreement of some kind with United Healthcare. And it, listen, it's, it's moving towards this idea of Medtronic makes insulin pumps and no one else can afford to compete. And they're pushing. It's just not right. So there are 90,000 of you out there using some sort of an, uh, a Johnson & Johnson product now, the Ping or the Vibe or whatever it is. You could pick whatever insulin pump you want, but before you, before you just blindly take you know, a Medtronic pump because that's what's being offered to you, Omnipod will offer you a free no-obligation demo of their insulin pump. Please take advantage of the demo offer and give it a try. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. You put in the tiniest bit of information about yourself and Omnipod gets you right out in the mail, uh, a no obligation pump. It's free. You can try it on and see what you think. Honestly, it, to me, this, this goes beyond insulin pumps and you, in the end, you have to pick the pump that's right for you. But this sort of smacks of, you know, the idea of you have to buy locally or one day you'll be getting your, uh, computer equipment, your clothes, your dog food, your groceries, all from one place online because that's all it's going to exist. You know, there has to be competition in the marketplace. When competition doesn't exist, innovation dies. So get a Medtronic bump if you want, but do yourself a favor and check out Omnipod first. Myomnipod.com forward slash juice box or the links in your show notes. I, I talked past the music. I'm sorry. Uh, back to the show. So anyway, it, it just sort of grew from there. I couldn't just keep writing about the JDRF, so I started writing about personal stories. It became kind of a reactive place for a while, like something would happen to me, and it was almost like a like an open a vein kind of situation. You'd be like, this just happened, and you see that on Facebook a lot now, like, oh my gosh, here's this yeah. horrible thing that's happening to me, or this great thing, or whatever. And then it built, and I could see over the years, more and more people were coming, and more people were coming, and... I don't know, just one time, there was a point where I thought, I can't do this anymore. I did. I wanted to stop because, I, and I've told this story here, so I'll, I'll truncate it for you, but um, there's something called uh, Diabetes Blog Week, and they give you writing prompts. It's, mm -hmm. it's fantastic. I've, I've interviewed the, uh, the creator of Diabetes Blog Week going back many episodes. You can go find it. Um, but they give, they give you a writing prompt every day. So I, I took the writing prompt and I sat and wrote this thoughtful piece, I thought, and then I submitted it. And then I went back to read other people's and we had all written the same thing. And I thought, huh, well, that seemed like a waste. 
Like, I don't know why it struck me like that, but it did. I thought if we all are having these very right. similar thoughts and there are some people who are just articulating them way better than I am, I don't want to like, like, I don't even want to be part of splintering things. Like let those really great voices shine because I'm just, you know, I'm just doing what a bit, mostly everyone else is doing. It's nothing special. I thought about what I was doing. So yeah. I, I stopped, but then I really genuinely missed it. And yeah. so I thought if I'm going to come back to this, it needs to be better. And so that was the first time I thought about writing and I thought about like reverse engineering stories and not telling stories the same way everyone else did. Um, mm -hmm. Trying to build a tiny bit of, you know, sometimes a little bit of interest and intrigue without, without doing this, what I would think would be a horrible thing of, you know, um, of, of making, making spectacle of my daughter's disease. Like I didn't want to do that. So I sort of just taught myself how to tell a story in a different way, in a way yep. that I still thought left you with a feeling. And I also stopped being reactive. I stopped, I stopped, right. I stopped thinking because I didn't see much past. I mean, like it is great to know someone else is out there and that they have these feelings and you have, and you're sharing them together. Right. There, there's a lot of value in it, but there's only value yeah. in it in that moment. I think I said this to you in the past, but like, I love that feeling like, Hey, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. But the truth is that when you walk away from your browser, you are alone. Because all you, right. you, you know what I mean? Like you didn't take anything away. It was just this, it was just this, like everybody puts their hand on their shoulder and goes, it's okay. I'm here. I'm, I'm awake too at three o'clock in the morning. And that's great in the moment, right. but it doesn't help you not be awake at three o'clock in the morning tomorrow. And, right. and so I started, I stopped being reactive so that I could be more thoughtful. Like I started realizing I was learning stuff from diabetes and so mm -hmm. I wouldn't write about it until I was comfortable that what I was saying was well sussed out valuable and I had a way to explain it in a way that people could understand. And so I started, that was the first time I thought about helping somebody like move forward. And, and yeah. you know, and then I saw roadblocks as I went. Fear was a huge roadblock for people. Fear of insulin was a huge roadblock. Uh, confidence in themselves. And then generally just information that they were getting from their doctors that wasn't leading them to these things. It was leading them to just I just, it was the first time I thought, I'm like, oh my gosh, these doctors are just teaching these people how not to die today. Like I want to live, right. I want to live healthily, like forever, not just not die today. That doesn't seem like a very high bar. You, you, you know, right. like, I'm sure right. I can do better than this. And so I kept writing and I thought, well, how do I get people to that space? And the first impediment I thought I saw, and this is a little behind the curtain for the people that listen, but the first impediment I saw for, with people online was the fear. So I spent a yeah. year and a half writing about not being afraid. I thought if I could create this tiny base of people, a few thousand, 10,000 people who weren't afraid, that maybe they'd right. go out in the world and not be afraid and somebody else might not be afraid. And maybe that's what we could build. Because what I thought I was seeing, Jess, was that everybody's just doing what they're told. Right? Right. They, right? So why don't we tell them to do something better and then see what happens? Right. Right? right? And so I did that and I went on and on. And then it was working hundreds of thousands of clicks a year. I would write something and I could see it get shared all over the internet. And I thought, wow, this is it. Like I'm going to, this is going to culminate into something like I'm going to affect people's lives. And it's in a really positive way. Yeah. And then Buzzfeed came along and turned the internet into <laughs> clicking on pictures of Leo DiCaprio looking chubby in a bathing suit and everyone stopped reading. And I just thought I give up. I give up. I'm done. I said, I can't tell you. You people can't get your blood sugar down. I don't care anymore. I, I can't be involved. You, you know, it just was like, I was really horrified that 
culture got away from reading. I was, you know, yeah. and I, and I wrote this thing and I've said it here a million times. I wrote this pot, uh, this blog piece that I thought was incredibly impactful and I could see it helping people. And I watched a person share it out in the world and she was recommending it to people. You should read this. She said, but be, be warned. She said, it's really long. And I remember thinking, mm-hmm. wow, it's really long. I didn't think of it as that when I looked back. And I went back and it was, I don't know, 450, 520, whatever it was. It wasn't over 600 words. And I thought, gosh, is that the new measure of what's long to read? And, right. and that just, that sh- shocked me. And then I launched yeah. this podcast because in that interim, in that time, I had written a book about being a stay-at-home dad. It has almost very little to do with uh with, with diabetes, there's a, a chunk of diabetes in there. It's actually funny when people who have diabetes in their life read it and then they talk about it with me later, they think the whole book's about diabetes, but it's not. It's just oh, interesting. It's like common sense about parenting, but there's enough diabetes <laughs> stories in it that that's the part you take away from. The people who don't have diabetes in their life who read the book come to me and they don't have any recollection that I spoke about diabetes. It's very interesting. But, oh, that's funny. But, but what, com- what came from that was that I got interviewed a lot. I was, you know, I was published and I was on television and I, you know, like I got to be on NPR and, you know, um, people's, other people's podcasts. And I just got to talk a lot. And every time I got finished, almost every time someone would say to me, Hey, you're very good at this. And I, right. and I would just go, Oh, that's nice. Thank you. And I would leave. And I would just get back in my car and be like, Oh my God, I was just on NPR. Or I remember sitting in a town car, leaving Manhattan going, I was just on the Katie Couric show. This is stupid. And you know, just like, yep. this is ridiculous. Like, how did I get to this spot? But so I had this moment where I thought Buzzfeed killed the internet and it killed reading. And then I remembered that people said I was pretty good at talking. And then, yeah. then I made a podcast. That was pretty much what happened. So. I wish there was that's, a grand plan, but I don't that's, think there was. that's great. I mean, what what is the one thing, you know, after all this time doing it, what is the one thing you hope your listeners today are taking away from it? You know, you talk about them having that fear. What do you think, you know, if they're walking away being like, wow, that that really does help me. Like, how do you hope it's helping people? I hope that they can hear in my voice that I used to be very bad at taking care of type one diabetes and and that now with as much humility as I can have to say it, I'm really good at it, (laughs) but I'm not particularly bright. I'm not particularly learned. I'm not great at math. Um, I am, I have been incredibly scared in my life. I've, I've given my daughter seizures with too much insulin. Like I've, the thing that you, most of you are afraid of. I actually, I actually did. You know, and and what I hope they hear is that no matter where they are right now and how hopeless it feels, there really is another side, and it and and it's not as far away as they imagine. Um, right. It it was far away for us because back then it was like this little meter and some test strips and some needles and some insulin, and you go get it. You know what I mean? But there's yeah. So much great technology now that it speeds this all up. And everything, so what I'm hoping more than anything is that they can see that no matter how bad off they feel at the moment, that it is going to be much better. And yeah. I'm hoping to get them to better faster. 
I don't right. I don't like that whole idea of, hey, we'll you use the shots for a year, then we'll get you a pump. Now you've got the pump. You see if you can make that work for six more months and we'll look at a glucose mm-hmm. monitor for you. And then just I don't want right. to live for three years struggling so that I I mean I don't I, I guess maybe there used to be value in that in the world of, of, of diabetes, but I don't think it exists anymore. And I get reviews and emails and notes from people who tell me that their kids are diagnosed, they find this podcast, and in six months they're on their feet. That's what I want for people. Yeah. That's what I hope. Yeah, so I have to ask, the confidence, did that come because you had more experiences under your belt, or did you almost at one point just exude confidence so that you weren't as fearful? Like what came first? The, wow, I'm doing this better and therefore, you know, I know what I'm doing now or you know what? (laughs) There's no right answer all the time and I'm just going to do the best I can. It's sort of, uh, I, I would say neither, but I can, I can answer the question. So I think you have to fail in every imaginable way so that you have the data from those moments because yeah. then next time you can make a bold decision yep. in the uncertainty and have some certainty that comes from, Hey, I've already lived through this. I did it like this. This is what happened. I wish this would have happened. So this time I'm going to do it like this. It's yeah. And you can't have that knowledge without trying because you have, mm-hmm. to try, you have to try so that it goes wrong. I mean, it, 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 it genuinely is like, that's why the people who are in the honeymoon period are like, this is going great. I'm like, Oh, you know, nothing. you absolutely know nothing because, because nothing's gone wrong yet. Like you need something you need, you need Jess, you need the walls to be on fire and you running around mm-hmm. screaming and you're like, I'm definitely killing this kid today. You, you know, like, like I, yeah. I have no hope that this isn't going to end horribly. And then it doesn't end horribly. And then you, yeah. then you can stop for a second and say, okay. So I just, I say to, I say to people on here all the time, you need to have enough experiences yep. so that you can draw on them. There is no quicker way to it. Um, I think the reason the podcast helps is because people come on here and they talk about their experiences. So not only are you at home having your own real life experiences, but you're getting to double and triple down on other people's experiences. And so they're just adding up faster for you. I think that if I had to guess, and it is amazing that I'm the one doing it, I don't particularly know why it works. I just know that it is working. But if I had to, I'd had to guess, I would think it's because the podcast is allowing you to have 10, 20, 30 different experiences a week that aren't yours on top of the hundreds that you're having. Yes. And then I'm the one on the other end telling you, stop thinking of that low blood sugar, of that high blood sugar as a failure. It's not a failure. Forget that. It's, it's data. Yep. It's data. It's all it is. You know? So. Yeah. Sharing those experiences is probably the thing that makes, you know, our JDRF chapter offices the most uh, meaningful to the thousands of families we partner with. It's because there's just that appetite to, you said, you know, going to your first walk, there's an appetite to be in a place where thousands of other people have been at this for longer and it's your first time going and you're like, oh, these all look like healthy, sane, wonderful people, you know? And so I'm not alone. And and I think that at the end of the day, that's, um, you know, that's what people are looking for the most of is that connectivity to one to one another and sharing their experiences. Well, and and so our first walk was like I said maybe 2 months into Arden's life with diabetes 
And I took something from that. So we're, you know, we're walking around in the Northeast and so there's soft pretzels and I, I don't know how to like inject yet for, you know, anything. And my daughter's like pretzel. And I thought to myself, I'm like, why would these, why would these sadists bring pretzels to a, to a JDRF walk? I mean, what kind of monster, right? You know, and, and there's my two-year-old with this big pretzel in her hand and I've got this syringe and this insulin. I'm looking at my wife and looking at each other like, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry I met you at this point. I'm like, yeah, me, yeah, me too. And so, you know, so we're, 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 we're off, off the path at this park, beautiful park, off the path in the grass. It, on my knees on a cold day with this mm-hmm. insulin in my hand, I'm feeling like I'm going to kill her, you know, and I, and I, and I don't know what I'm doing. And I look up and there's just thousands of people walking past me and they're fine. Yeah. And I thought, wow, maybe I'll be fine one day too, you know? And, uh, yeah. and it was like, I'm going to cry a little bit. It was really ups. It was beautiful and upsetting yeah. and terrible and wonderful all at the same time. Um, yeah, one of the one of the best parts of my job is watching that happen year over year at the walks. Is those new families that come to check it out, and really they don't realize that they've joined like the biggest T one D support group in their area. Yeah, well, well, and it, it 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 occurs to me while we're talking that if you if you want to answer the question of why is the podcast helping people, it goes all the way back to that. Like, right, it goes right back to the first time I was like, oh, maybe this will be okay. Or the first yeah. time that somebody said, hey, I, I love your blog. Let me know if I can help you. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that's nice, people helping people. Because you, yeah. because you, Jess, and everyone listening, I mean, I'm 46 now, but you don't know me. I grew up in, like, right. outside of Philadelphia. I, I'm not a chicken soup for the soul person in my heart. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm sarcastic. <laughs> my humor is a little mean, to be perfectly honest. I curse, I curse a lot when I'm not doing this podcast. I'm sure when we met, when we were talking about doing this, you're like, I think the guy just said the F word. We've known each other for 20 minutes. This is ridiculous. And so, and you probably looked around my home, and you're like, he looks like a reasonable person. I don't understand how this is happening. But so... But so I had to be, and it's partly about that too. It's sort of the blue collar way I grew up and that I don't yeah. really have feelings like I need to, you know, bend my knee to people. And, you know, I just, you know, I, all that stuff just yeah. luckily mushed together into this podcast. So Well, you found a way to do something on such a larger scale. And, and that's what I think makes this Juicebox podcast so special is it still feels like a local, you know, information experience sharing but you're doing it on a platform that is touching so many more people so thank you again for all that you do i know there's a lot of work and prep that goes into it um each and every day Jess, i'm a hero i think that's what we've learned today you are you're an everyday hero you should be very proud just i am so so uncomfortable i need you to re re, re, i need you to read this week call it the everyday people doing Fine. And yeah. <laughs> that's not as exciting. Yeah. Uh, but well, I appreciate that. I have, I have to ask, though, as a dad, you know, how has the Juicebox podcast changed Arden's relationship with her diabetes? We were with a lot of kids, and, you know, I know it's a journey for them as well to, to run around um, this lifelong illness. Well, okay, so the beauty of that is twofold. Um, it's my opinion that if you're going to blog or talk about another person in your life, um, that and other people do it differently. My daughter has nothing to do with my blog and nothing to do with this podcast. 
She would never, Mm -hmm. never come on this podcast. She would never listen to this podcast. She would never look at the only, the only contact I've ever had with her in the blog is she said, please don't use my photograph from when I was little. I don't like looking like a baby on the internet. Uh, And so we animated. So now the, the blog banner is, uh, it's art. Um, it's the only thing she's ever said to me about it. She doesn't care if we share the stories, tell none of that bothers her. She just, and, and by the way, that's, she feels like that now because that's how I did it on purpose. Like I've always maintained that that blog is my story about being the parent of a child with type one diabetes. Mm-hmm. And I can tell that story without her. Yeah. Some people do it differently and I'm not, I'm not judging them. I just, I didn't want to sure. do it that way. Um, but having said that she's impacted by it incredibly because just the same as people can listen to the podcast and hear other people's experiences and double down, it's happening to me too. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, you are never in life, forget diabetes. You are never at a point where you know everything, obviously. And, and, but we all get to a point where it's good enough. Like, I don't really need to know anymore. I don't have the bandwidth for any more. I've got to make the you know, I got to make dinner. I've got to cut my grass. I got to go to work. I don't have time to sit around and pontificate anymore about politics or religion or whatever. This is what I know about it. And I'm happy with this amount of knowledge about it. And we stop sort of, and then we live our, then we get old and then we sound ridiculous when we're 75 going back in my day, this made sense. And like, and so I don't have to do that with diabetes because I keep having these conversations. I'm sort of like, I don't know, like there's times like I feel like, uh, like I'm turning into a supercomputer about it. Like I keep getting data and I keep getting data. And I have my experiences that I'm not only having, but I'm trying to be cognizant, uh, cognizant of them enough that I can repeat them for you listening if they're valuable. And so not not only do I have to have the experience, I have to remember it. Then I have to think about it and I have to say to myself, is this worth sharing? And if it is why, and if it is how, and then I get to have those same conversations with you, I'm having this podcast allows me simply to afford myself the time to stop and think about diabetes. And every time I do that, I learn something new. I move forward a little bit and that helps my daughter. It helps all you too, I hope, but, yeah. but in the yeah, end, yeah. it's helping her. So when yeah. I, when I tell people that Arden's A1C has been between five, six and six, two for almost four years, that's not to brag. That's to, yeah. that's to say, so could yours be. I'm not doing anything. I'm not a, if I came to your house and just took your kid, their A1C would go down, but I can't do that. Right. So listen to whatever, <laughs> listen to what everyone's saying and, and you do what I'm doing. Just meld everyone's experiences together until you get to this spot. Cause it's coming. You'll get there if you don't give up, you, you know, you really will. It's time to talk about Dexcom. People, do you even know what a continuous glucose monitor is? I hope you do. It's this great device that just tells you what your blood sugar is in real time. And the Dexcom CGM tells you what direction your blood sugar is moving and the speed it's moving in. So if you're, I don't know, 90 and going down just real slowly, isn't that different than 90 and falling really fast? Oh, it is. And isn't that the way you make these small decisions about, you know, if you need insulin or if you need carbs in that moment? It's how you stay off the roller coaster, right? If you you know test your blood sugar with a meter and you say, oh, I'm 75, you might think, oh, I'm really low. But what if you were 75, but your blood sugar was trending back up again? You would know that if you had a Dexcom CGM. Now listen, 
there's no doubt that these are my results and yours may vary, but my daughter's playing three softball games Saturday in the heat. I'm not worried. Her blood sugar may get low later that night. I'm not worried. You hear me on this podcast all the time, pre-bolusing her 15, 20 minutes before she eats at school. You hear me texting back and forth. Her blood sugar is 85 right now. I'm still able to pre-bolus. Why? Why can I do that without worrying? Because of Dexcom. Compatible with Android and Apple phones and compatible with living well. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. You will not be sorry. Try it. I promise you're going to love it. There's even a link in the show notes. Just click on it. It couldn't be any easier. It's great. It's great to hear you. Um, I guess, you know, after all these years, just committed to continuing to bridge those knowledge or experience gaps. I think that, um, I think it's what folks, you know, that I meet every day are most hungry for. So um, it's, it's awesome. I have to believe as a parent that, you know, I, I watch a lot of our, our families, you know, we have parents who are volunteering with the chapter, taking on volunteer leadership roles. There, I've gotten to see some kids that, you know, were teenagers, you know, now young adults, their parents were always involved and now they're leaders in the community too. So I do, I think your leadership in this field, you know, she lives in the house with you. I'm, I'm sure that's going to shape her leadership, by the way, outside of diabetes. <laughs> I, I find that I've, I find that these kids that grow up, um, you know, being involved or their parents being involved, they just, or, you know, just having really great um, proactive management, right, with devices and whatever, but they, they turn out to be the most amazing uh, young adults. I always have so. a sort of daydream that she'll just ask that, and I can just give her the podcast one day and the blog, and she can just <laughs> she can just keep it going the way she would do it. You know, I I when you said it's nice that that, that I'm continuing on and doing this, I, I have to tell you there are moments in my life with my daughter that when I stop and think about other people, I can see her like sitting at a at a kitchen table crying, like because her blood sugar is low. I can remember. I can remember my wife and I arguing in the middle of the night about what food we thought was going to save her life. Yeah. Like, like, and and I think about the 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 A one Cs that I wasn't happy with. I think about uh, you know the, this moment when I actually got her A one C to move like point two, like you know, not even a half a point, and I was. I was so relieved that it moved. I cried in the middle of the doctor's office to the point where the nurse, the nurse practitioner hugged me in the lobby. She's like, are you okay? Oh, wow. And I was like, it moved. It, it went down, you know? And, and, um, and I didn't know how I did it and it might've just been dumb luck, but it felt amazing to think that it could move, you know? And, and I think that that outpouring at that moment, it taught me how not okay I was. You know, yeah. like, like, like there's so much, um, pretending to be strong that you just realize that no one, you know, I, I hear people call their kids heroes sometimes, or you're saying it now, or they say how strong their kids are, how brave they are. They use a lot of different words. And I think 
no one wants to be a hero. Like no one wants to be brave. Right. Everyone just wants okay. to get up and live their lives. No one, no one gets up in the morning yep. and thinks, I, I hope something incredibly horrible happens today and I can stiffen, I can stiffen my spine up in the, in the space of it. No one wants to live like that. So, um, I think that we're all like this and it's amazing that we're like this, but I, I think we all wish we didn't have to be. And so I want everyone to get to the point where, like, I hope you heard the ease in my voice that I gave Arden that insulin at lunchtime. Like, it's going to be okay, you know? Yeah. And, and, like, that, that, I want everybody to feel like that if they can. Yeah. Well, again, thank you. It's incredible. Uh, no, one you. of the, one of the questions that, um, we've asked our other everyday heroes, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts about it. Um, what progress in type 1 diabetes research are you most hopeful to see happen? Ah. Okay. <laughs> so I think about it a couple of different ways. I told you I was going to pontificate. This is going to end up being an mm -hmm. hour just like the rest of them, Jess. I was like, oh, this, mm -hmm. is, this is worse than the rest. <laughs> well, we're having fun, so just, <laughs> why not? Just this is the worse than the this is worse for me talking than the regular podcast. At least when I'm interviewing somebody, I feel like I should let them talk a little. Uh, so, <laughs> which I do sometimes well and sometimes not so well. Um, I think it's easy. Like I think I think it's an easy question to answer. Um, I think that people need to understand that the idea of curing something is fairly beyond the grasp of us as humans at this point. We, we've, only right. cured, we've only cured a couple of things in the history of medicine. Right. So right. Um, to get up every day and think, today's the day they're going to cure type 1 diabetes is probably going to make you mental. So I would stop doing that if I was you. I, yeah. th I think yeah. that what you should hope for are things that move you towards that or things that make your life better, easier, or healthier today that are within the reach of what science is today. And so yep. for me, that seems like encapsulation. Like of yeah. all the things that I've heard of, encapsulation mm -hmm. appears to have the most today science that doesn't require the future to think of something first. Does that make sense? Right, right. right. And yeah, so, absolutely. And so that one I hold the most hope for. Uh, the idea that you could go into a doctor's office and have something put under your skin and it would help you produce insulin for a couple of years till it petered out and you wouldn't got another one, that seems pretty cool yeah. to me. In the real world today, it's it's and and Jess, this is where I usually get stuck and I end up saying this over and over again. The the podcast is sponsored by Omnipod and Dexcom because in my mind those are the two tools that are the most mm -hmm. And I, I can vouch for them in my sleep stand and uh, it, it, at any time I would be thrilled to. Uh, yeah. But, but if you can afford it, if your insurance helps you with it or you can afford it for cash or whatever it ends up being, the technology is just of paramount importance. To be able to see your blood sugar with a, with a CGM, with a Dexcom CGM, to see how fast it's moving and to see um, where it's at so you can make better decisions and so that the data that's coming back to you is not just – it's not just data, but it's really data you can in a split second look at and understand so much more than without it. You know, like, listen, we haven't, yeah. we haven't looked back once. It's 11.55 here. I told Arden at 11.26 about her bolus. I told you she was going to start eating in about 10 or 15 minutes. So she's probably been eating for about 15 minutes. And I haven't looked at her blood sugar once since we talked. She's 106. And the arrow's straight down. 
It is such good news. Now, most people might be like straight down. Oh, no, she's at school. She's 13. What are you going to do? I'm not doing anything because she's eating. And that food's going to stop that arrow. Arden's blood sugar yeah. is going to keep falling for another 30 points maybe before it levels out. You can't yeah. make those decisions without seeing this information like that. Yeah. And the other side of it is is pumping is that you – can you imagine if I said to my daughter, hey, you know, an hour and a half ago, your blood sugar got to 55. First of all, I wouldn't have known it because she can't feel it. It wasn't a time to test. And the only reason I knew was because of the CGM. So then we did it. I gave her some, you know, we, she took in some carbs that didn't help. So we added juice and I was like, this juice is going to be too much. I know it's going to be, but that's okay because mm -hmm. I'll give her insulin. So as soon as she got back to a good spot, we bolused that one unit that I talked about earlier. If you could keep in mind, at an hour ago, Arden's blood sugar was 148, two arrows up. She was moving up at three points or more a minute, but she never got yeah. never got past 160, and 40 minutes later, she's back at 100. Um, wow. That's, yeah. that's the ability to make small, fine boluses, changes the basal rates, to be able to give insulin multiple times over an hour, to stretch out boluses, yep. things that don't exist with, with injections. I mean, you could still do it. Don't get me wrong. Somebody could yeah, yeah. put their mind to it and inject three times in the last hour. But, you know, this is yeah. just, to well, me, this is it. This is it. Like, you know, so I would want to, yeah. I want to see for today is that technology get better, um, you know, yeah. continue to get better and take, take, take people's need to understand out of it. I would like for uh, CGM and pump companies to put the podcast out of business by making a closed loop that just is foolproof. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And it's, it's interesting because I have the privilege in my job to meet with lots of families and the families that are using technology, um, insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors really do have that peace of mind also, you know, when the child's at school or at camp or, or at a sleepover. Yeah. Um, and it, and that data, that real time, you know, where your number's at, where it's going, how fast it's going in that direction helps make decisions. And yet, so few of our Q&D community are utilizing them. So, you know, it's a personal choice for sure, but I wish if people got more comfortable with technology, because wearing something isn't ideal, but if the day-to-day -day quality of life can improve and, and the blood sugars can improve and the A1Cs can improve, um, you know, the families I know, many of them that are using it are just, it's been a huge game changer in their quality of life. So everyone's bumps up on the same things mostly. And I bumped up on them too, right? The initial thought was, well, I don't want my daughter to have to wear an insulin pump. That was the first thing I thought. Mm -hmm. but, then mm -hmm. I was, but then I was overwhelmed with the idea of, well, I don't want the school nurse. To, I, I actually kept thinking like, I don't want a person I don't know jabbing my kid with a needle all the time. Like that was my first thought. So I guess we're yeah. going to have to get over the idea of putting something on her. And so we went down to the children's hospital to see all the different pumps. And that's the first time I saw an Omnipod. And I was like, well, that one doesn't have tubing. Uh, it already went in my mind. Like it just made it, right. it looked more futuristic to me. It looked more up, mm -hmm. upgradable, which was the other thing. Like mm -hmm. I, I always said, like, they're not going to make 19 versions of this pod. So every time they make it better, I'll just get it automatically, which is what has ended up happening. But, but so, yeah. you know, we, we did that. But I get not wanting to put a pump, you know, an insulin pump on. I can tell you that the first time you look across the room and there's something stuck to your kid, it's heartbreaking. But mm -hmm. that doesn't last. And then look at all yeah. the good stuff that comes from it. So 
I mean, I guess there's a couple of different like sayings in here. What's the one about like don't let the uh, don't let perfect be the enemy of good? Is that one of them? The, oh yeah, right? yeah. Right, and mm-hmm. so and so there there's that. And here's the other thing is, just remember this. Every time you see and you go, oh, I can't put a glucose monitor, my kid. That's uncomfortable. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. Just remember how many times you've said to yourself, I can't believe they changed Facebook. I'm never using it again. And then, <laughs> and then you use it again. Try to remember that human beings don't particularly like change. But yeah, right. sometimes the best thing you can do is ignore how you feel. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes your brain leads you the wrong way. You, you know? And um and I think I think that about I think that about that initial bump in period where people are like, Oh, I don't want my kid attached to something. It makes them feel robust. Whatever it ends up, whatever your thought is, it, the other side of this is so much better you won't care. You, you know. Well, thank you. Thank you for accepting this um, recognition as our everyday hero. And again, thanks for being part of our local New Jersey community. You make us look good. Jess, can I make a suggestion? Because you're doing the everyday hero and you're in New Jersey. When the person wins, you should send a hero to their house. (laughs) Like a superhero in a cape? No, no, like a sandwich. Like, like, oh, a big, like a big hoagie. Don't they call them heroes some places? Right? They, they do, not in New Jersey usually. But. <laughs> I'm hungry, I think is what I'm doing. I'm like, I'm like, how can I turn this into a free sandwich? Is I think what I was thinking just now. No, but, no, I was thinking of like a singing telegram with, a, with a, someone in a Batman cape or something yeah, that's too coming ex- up to that, your house. That's too expensive. I'm talking about a 4 or $5 sandwich showing up at their door. Nothing that's going to dig Listen, the, the JDRF too hard. You can afford it, you know, and get that. Our volunteers would do anything, so we could find someone to dress up and uh <laughs> oh, oh my gosh so i i, I want to tell you before i appreciate you having uh, i really do appreciate this mm-hmm. I, i'm trying to be sarcastic because i'm uncomfortable with you calling me a hero but uh, <laughs> but 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 i do want to say that um and i would like people to hear this if you're comfortable with people hearing it that you and i've mm-hmm. spoken a little bit about this and we think we're going to try to bring like I, I'm going to try to get out to to an event right and and maybe maybe do yes. the podcast live somewhere yeah, so we for the listeners, we invited Scott to um, join our Type 1 Nation Summit, which is a free educational event. It's, um, it happens all over the country uh, in the U.S., so um, you can go on Type 1 Nation, um, our website, to find more information about where one is by you. But ours in New Jersey is going to be taking place March 3rd. It's on a Saturday. Last year, with very small runway to really promote it, we had 350 people um, spend their Saturday together, and the feedback was overwhelmingly positive because we have a lot of workshops and different topic areas. So um, we're going to be talking this year about managing diabetes burnout. We're going to be talking about technology, updates in diabetes, um, and we're so happy to have you there, um, you know, to share some of your experience about, um, you know, insulin. The, the, the thing I love most about when we met what you were talking about is sort of being that idea of being bold with insulin and just taking out the fear. I think that will resonate a lot with um, our, our local community. So um, March 3rd uh, is a Saturday, and it's going to be in Somerset, New Jersey, at the Doubletree um, Hotel up there. So I will, I don't know, is this the best way to give you, like, our registration link? It's going live next week. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll put it in the show notes. So if anybody's interested, you can go back to juiceboxpodcast.com or look in the notes of your app uh, that you're listening to the podcast on, and we'll, we'll put a yeah, link for it. And we'll also have a researcher giving an update there, so talking about all of the exciting things going on in, in the world of type 1 diabetes research that will help 
you know, you and your loved ones, um, get to a better place. So Jess, listen, let's, I'm going to be honest with you for a second. I only accepted the invitation so that it would force me to diet through the winter. Uh, that was the first <laughs> I needed I needed some motivation to lose carbs. Uh, so uh, for me personally, I'm mostly joking about that. And then the other thing yeah. is the other thing is, is that I think that this is going to be so. If you're listening and you're local, and you would like to have these conversations live, I think that I think there's a ton of yeah. a, a ton of, of of good that'll come from that. And if you're not in New Jersey, bug your local. Um, JDRF office and tell them you'd like to have the juice box podcast come out and be at an event and we'll, we'll get as many people as together as you can. And we'll talk through yep. what everybody's talking through and you guys can share your experiences there and leave feeling more empowered and, and, uh, and a little more ready, I think would be, uh, yeah. And then type one nation.org is the website you can go to to find a local event near you. Cool. That's great. Jess, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. And, um, you save, you saved me a lot of typing. Yeah, and I look forward to keeping in touch, Scott. I do too. Take care. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. So if you'd like to come out and see me at the JDRF Type 1 Nation Summit in Somerset, New Jersey, it's going to be on Saturday, March 3rd, 2018, and you can register. The link is really long, so I'm going to put it in the show notes, or I'm going to put it at juiceboxpodcast.com under this episode. I'll give you a link you can click on. I think registration is free. They just want to know you're coming. And it's at the Doubletree Hilton in Somerset. So if you're local, come on out. I'd love to have you all there while we do the podcast live. Uh, if you're not local, like I said, go to type1nation.org and tell them you want the Juicebox podcast at their event and we'll come to you and do it. That's pretty much it. Thank you so much to Dexcom and Omnipod for sponsoring the show. Uh, I'm very truly deeply sorry if you've lost your animus pump and you are worried, but please don't be worried. You will find another one that you love. I uh, will be back next week with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>